Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Matt Harmon and today I get to hang out with Yahoo's Dalton Del Don instead of Liz Loza. Now that we're two times a week, we're letting, you know, Liz and I hand the reins off a little bit. Give some more people some time to blather because like at this point, by the time, you know, it's fall, everybody will know exactly what Liz and I think. But I'm definitely interested in knowing what Dalton thinks, especially since we just had a big best ball draft yesterday. Honestly, Dalton, we've got a lot to talk about, but... You and I haven't really got a chance to catch up on the mic for quite some time, especially definitely not since obviously we've all been in quarantine. I want to know, how the hell are you doing, man? Doing all right. It's a weird time, obviously, for everyone. But yeah, sports in limbo now. Yeah, we have some time before football season, even though it has been on my mind recently with us launching and the draft and everything. And I've done a couple fantasy drafts. But yes, we still do have some time before the actual season. So lots to talk about. But uh, doing all right. Uh, How about yourself, Matt? I'm good. You know, uh, we're, uh, me and the girlfriend are stuck in the house. Obviously, like everybody else, we've got these two uh, lunatic dogs. We got a new puppy a couple of months ago. So um, she's adjusting to, well, she's doing quite all right. It's the older dog that's been my dog for six years that he's like, what what the hell is this? Uh, But (laughs) other than that, things are good, man. You know, can't complain too much. Uh, How are you? How are you and the fam holding up? Yeah, I have a boxer who just had his 12th birthday, and that's pretty old for a boxer. Oof. They usually, you know, they're like 9, 10 years old is their lifespan. So I'm going to be maybe looking into, a, you know, what kind of dog to get next for the young ones. So that will be interesting. So maybe I'll, I'll come to you for, for advice because I've uh, got a 3-year-old and a 7-year-old, and I know that they're going to be wanting uh, – I'm allergic to cats is the problem. They, the wife wants a cat, but uh, I may ah. be a future a dog buyer too. So what, what kind do you have? So uh, the older dog that we I've had for many years is uh, he's Charlie. He's like a Shih Tzu mix. Yes. Um, but this new dog is a rescue. So we got her. She's like a mix of a lot of different things, though, too. I mean, yes. just a total mutt. But I think that's about enough dog talk. <laughs> Probably people <laughs> pop, popping out of the podcast by now. But we do have some fantasy football news to discuss before we get to the best ball draft. And starting off with, I mean, I feel like this is a headline every year, Dalton. So it's good to know. In an ultra-changing world, seemingly minute by minute as we deal with uh, this pandemic, one thing is a constant, and that is Frank Gore. The immortal Frank Gore heads to the New York Jets to reunite with Adam Gase on a scale of one to five. How worried should we be about Le'Veon Bell? I would, I'm max level five worried about Le'Veon Bell, but that's not because of 37-year-old Frank Gore, who I've written right. off admittedly each of the past five years, it seems like. So I'm a Niners guy, so I'm a fan of Gore, you know, great blocker. What a career for someone that, 
was considered injury prone at first part and had two knee surgeries in college to be saying, talking about him at 37 years old is just amazing durability, but not too concerned about 37 years old at this stage, but I am concerned about Adam Gase and just the fact that Belt was not good after taking a whole year off. I mean, he's benefited. I mean, he was an awesome player and one of the funnest players to watch with that hesitation style. But maybe that style also needed a certain fit that was also surrounded by Hall of Famers also, too. And now, you know, the approaching 30 and all that. Last year, it wasn't just the yards per carry. He was ranked 44th out of 45th in DVOA. Uh, I think yeah. the only guy who was ranked worse was Peyton Barber. And that's the only person that's <laughs> lower than you. That's, that's a problem. So Le'Veon Bell, I had outside my top 20 fantasy backs. So I have him right there just because of the volume and the contract. But um, he's not going to end up on many of my fantasy teams. I completely agree with you. And I mean, I do think that, look, Adam Gase is a guy that is, he's stubborn. Let's put it uh, in a nice way. Uh, he's a stubborn guy, uh, much much like my older dog. He li- he knows things his way. He likes things his way. And he's not too, uh, not too keen on newcomers. <laughs> and I think he obviously has never been all that jazzed about Le'Veon Bell to begin with from what we hear. But. I mean, it's it's hard to say how much you can really realistically let him fall because of the Frank Gore news, whatever. I like Gore. Um, but, that, and, that makes me more interested in Bell that Gase doesn't like him, though, because Gase also didn't like Drake. He didn't like <laughs> Tannehill. He didn't like Devontae Parker. And all three of those guys are straight ballers. So that actually makes me makes me question my my negativity toward Bell. You saying that you're right. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. But we all know. But the key ingredient is. Yeah. Yeah, well, of course, but the key ingredient is Adam Gase has to not like you, and then you need to get away from Adam Gase. Fair so point, yes, yes. Maybe on Bell's third team, when he's, like, kicking it with the Dolphins or whatever in 2023, then we're all in on Lev Bell or whatever. I mean, the only thing, the only realistic way that you can tell yourself, like, Bell is better off this year than he was last year is if it was just, like, he was rusty or whatever in 2019, which I, I don't really buy that. For context, in this best ball draft that, uh, we did, and we'll re- reference it a couple of times before we actually break it down. Um, he went in round six. Uh, he actually went one pick at, right after you picked Terry McLaurin. Uh, he went with Dak Prescott right behind him. Kyler Murray was in that round. Um, I, he went behind backs like DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, James Conner. Those were some within the same range of him. I, I don't know if you like him over the, any of those guys in particular. I don't really find myself targeting any of those players really, you know, next season. One argument I will say for Bell is that the O-line may have improved and Darnold maybe he takes a step up. I mean, Darnold is still so young and he was dealing with mono last year, but I mean, the stats suggest he's not been great. It's been ugly so far at the start of his career. But there is a path to where, you know, he gets all the volume. And even if he doesn't go back to his, you know, career stature, he still could be plenty valuable fantasy-wise. But me, as you can tell by evidence of this draft, um, I'm after the young guy, the guys who are unproven and more with the upside. So um, the, the, by the names you mentioned, I have Mostert, my guy on the Niners. He's not going to catch as many passes, although DVOA liked him in that area. And now with Brita traded, um, I would definitely go after a, a Mostert um, ahead of ahead of, of, of I'm not, I can't remember the other names you said, but just based on other ADP, round six is fine where, where he went in this. But other ADP, I've seen him ranked and going more aggressively. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't think I'll be, like you said, just probably not that in on Bell unless it's at a steep discount. Um, let's talk about uh, t- in today's offseason coach speak. Just because the offseason is weird this year doesn't mean coach speak is out of the window. And in today's edition, we have uh, Washington coach Ron Rivera says Antonio Gibson has a skill set like Christian McCaffrey. 
Um, always cool when, as you know, like a third round rookie, you're being compared to one of the best uh, <laughs> best players in, in all of football. Uh, Rivera obviously has familiarity with Christian McCaffrey because he coached him in Carolina. But this is where how do you see this Washington backfield shaking out? Like, by the way, we I think Gibson's going to play running back, but there's a lot of I, I feel like this is a backfield that. Maybe the answer is all out of void, but, you know, rarely can you really pull that off in fantasy. Is there anything you're interested in in this backfield that is just has a hodgepodge of guys? So first of all, to be clear, I don't watch college football. So I just trust people that I that they do and I, and I follow their advice. Uh, that said, I wanted Antonio Gibson in this best ball draft and it wasn't allowed because it's the first and only time where someone with multi eligibility hurt his fantasy value because I was <laughs> capped out in my max running backs. I'm going to remember that too when the season ends because I actually do like him. I ranked him rank him pretty aggressively, certainly higher than the rest of our colleagues. Um, here's my thinking. Uh, Adrian Peterson, yes, maybe he's another one of those 35-year-old-plus backs who, who remains uh, du- you know, durable, but I doubt it. I'm betting against it. Um, Peyton Barber, after mentioned, is also added here. Bryce Love and his knee surgeries. Darius Geis looks really good, but obviously one of the bigger injury risks in the league. So you look at Antonio Gibson's numbers here. So 98th percentile 40-yard dash, 99th percentile speed score, 70th percentile BMI. I mean, this Memphis backs, they get the huge yards per carry. We saw Daryl Henderson fail, but everyone loves Tony Pollard came from there. And to me, he's kind of a similar situation, but with not Ezekiel Elliott, the biggest badass in front of him in the depth chart. So I moved him right around there, like my 36th back. And apparently that seems crazy compared to the rest of us rankers. That's hyper aggressive, but I like the way you're thinking about it because, you know, number one, we talk about, I feel like Liz and I talk about this a lot on the podcast. It's it's the Darius Slayton theory. You know, one of these things doesn't look like the other. In, in New York and that receiver core, Darius Slayton's like the only outside potential X receiver and a bunch of slot flankers that are there with him. I think it's the same sort of principle here with Gibson in, 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 in Washington, which is that, yeah, I mean, he's the youngest, most unproven guy, but he's also probably the only one that's like a plus pass catcher beyond maybe whatever you, if Bryce love is ever healthy, maybe that's something, but he's not really even a guy I'm going to factor into the equation right now. You know, Peterson's never been good in the past game. Geis, just doesn't have a – maybe he can be a good pass catcher, but he doesn't have a resume of doing it. And I, I don't think Peyton Barber is anything special in that category either. So Gibson can be that sort I – th- I think Tony Pollard obviously coming from the same school, but it's a it's a wonderful comparison. I think that's really good logic to it. So I, mean, I don't know. You might be having me rethink this whole idea because it, being a good pass catcher is going to be an important on this team because they're probably still going to be bad. They're not going to be establishing the run with 20 carries of Adrian Peterson, especially now that Bill Callahan's not like the interim coach there anymore. They're definitely going to be bad. But having said that, the defensive line's obviously interesting now adding Chase Young. And Dwayne Haskins did play better that final month. McLaurin there. So, and I've heard this backfield referred to as deep, but every backfield has bodies. To me, it's the thinnest backfield in the, in the NFL. So that's at least where I stand. Maybe it's crazy. Like I said, I haven't even watched like tape on Gibson and maybe he can't hold up as a, as a running back. But it, to me, with his explosiveness and his efficiency, it sounds like it won't take more than 250 touches for him to be a difference maker. So yeah, I'm in on Gibson as one of my favorite sleepers where we stand now. 
Yep, I think that's a really good call. So from new faces in the league to old faces in the league, uh, fifth-year options shenanigans are kind of going on right now. And obviously the Bears declined Mitch Trubisky's option. Um, I don't give a shit about talking about Mitch Trubisky. We talk about Well, what do you stand on Foles, though? I'm interested in that, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah. I, I am curious because he's up and down. He's Because he affects, you know, Allen Robinson's you know, and so right. much of the – so I'm curious at Montgomery's. So I'm curious where you stand on Foles because I'm unclear myself. Yeah, Liz is really high on Foles, so we've talked about that a lot on the pod. I, my my thought with Foles, I mean, here's here's I the Liz. deal. I mean, as an Allen Robinson guy, I'm all in favor of Nick Foles because it's – and this is not saying much, but he's the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has probably ever played with, even dating back to college when his, when his quarterback was Christian Hackenberg. I mean, ho- holy – Christian Hackenberg, give me a break. But like – you know, you got Blake Bortles, obviously Mr. Trubisky. Like, this is the best quarterback that he's ever played with. Now, I think that this offense is probably good enough for Nick Foles to be an average to slightly below average NFL quarterback, which, again, is a pretty big jump from Trubisky. So I think he's going to win the job sooner or later. I think the the best point that Liz makes about it, I'm not – I'm just – I'm not really high on Foles the player because – it's show, it's I think it's proven to be that at this point he's very good in good situations and we've seen him in really good situations in good ecosystems three times in his career when the Chip Kelly offense was rolling as a backup in Kansas City he popped in for a couple of games and was actually pretty good and obviously in his Super Bowl run with Doug Peterson's offense when things were really going well there but in Jacksonville, bad. In with the St. Louis Rams, bad. And I think the Bears are somewhere in between. So I think we're going to get like a mid-level Nick Foles performance, which isn't great, um, but it is enough, I think, to make this skill position group much better off because the familiarity here, which is Liz's best point, I think, on on the pro Foles side, is that he's very familiar with Matt Nagy, John DeFilippo, the whole crew that is there going to be clo- coaching offense for the Bears. One other thing I'd point out about Foles, too, is that he really liked, or at least in the past, has liked to go to the slot. It was part of my logic for liking D.D. Westbrook, which was a horrendous recommendation uh, last <laughs> year. But uh, So maybe Anthony Miller, you know, I mean, I like him as a possible uh, possible breakout there. And another thing, what a blockbuster for the Solomon Thomas and, and Trubisky. The number two and number three trade, I believe, in that draft both declined the fifth-year option their team just did. Not just Trubisky, but the other end of that trade, my Niners declined it for Solly, too. Well, I mean, that whole, uh, honestly, that whole top five, I think we were talking about this a little oh, bit right. on, is, is, is not in a good shape after Miles Garrett, um, who <laughs> look, he, he's going to be back in the league this year. Uh, they picked up his fifth year option, but Trubisky at two, they declined Solomon Thomas. They declined Leonard Fournette. They declined. I kind of want to take your temperature on him and Corey Davis, the next two guys who are both declined in this top five. Are you in on? Leonard Fournette at all this year like at any cost or is he just a full fade first of all it's crazy that Corey Davis I was sure was going to be a star after watching him his rookie year but no uh, yeah let's let's get to him next because I want to have a discussion about him too yeah Fournette I doubt anyone's lower on him in the entire industry I have him 28th on my running backs that could be even lower Um, I get that volume is king and it's the most important in projection but at the same point when you get all the volume and you're really, really bad at it, you can't really expect <laughs> that to happen. I pointed this out, but my biggest concern with ranking Fournette low is that Jacksonville is all in on winning Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes and they don't care. So they might as well give him his final year of his contract, give him 400 carries. Why not 500, whatever, uh, Fournette, and hope that it's even bad and lead to a bad record. So I'm a little worried that, they, that that's their strategy. But bringing on Chris Thompson, the trade rumors, um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they just somehow get rid of him. But he just was, I know the TD regression is there, and if he gets all 
all that volume again, I'm going to be wrong, no matter how, right. even if he's not a better player on the field, I'm just going to be flat out wrong. But to me, that um, of, of all the players, uh, it's probably least likely. You said Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to say Fournette is even less likely to be on any of my fantasy teams this year. Yeah, my general rule, he breaks like two of my my like cardinal rules with running backs, which is number one, you don't want them tethered to bad offenses. I don't think that Jacksonville is going to be a particularly good team or a particularly good offense for that matter. Um, and number two, questionable role in the passing game. And I know obviously he had 100 targets last year. That will certainly be people's immediately – that'll be their immediate rebuttal. But it isn't just the fact that they brought in uh, Chris Thompson, which is a key point too, who has familiarity with the current offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden. He averaged – obviously he, he caught 76 passes, which – isn't even that great of a conversion rate when, you know, 76% when you get 100 targets. Number one isn't all that great for a running back. And then two, he averaged 6.9 yards per reception, which is not that great either. And it's just, yes, he got volume in the passing game, but it was a net negative for him to be thrown a target last year. They bring in Chris Thompson. I also think if he's healthy, rookie receiver LaVisca Chenault is going to play a big role in terms of those like short area targets. Yes. Unlike, oh, sure, yes. yes. Unlike Fournette, he can actually make things happen after he catches the ball. Like Fournette would get the ball at the line of scrimmage and then get tackled a couple of yards later and he's not going to convert a first down. Chenault can actually make things happen after the catch sort of in like a DJ Moore type of way. So He's a guy I agree. Probably yeah, a full last among fifty-seven backs, Pro Football Focus grading and running back blockers last year. Fournette last among fifty-seven. So no, no thanks from you there. But I want your thoughts on Corey Davis for sure. Yeah. So Corey Davis, like, I think there's a chance that he's gonna have a pretty like a better season this year than he did last year, just because Tannehill will be there for a full year. I don't think it's gonna be enough to ding, you know. AJ Brown or Johnu Smith, two guys that I'm really high on this year. I mean, Brown's a total like Brown is a total stud. Whereas I think Corey Davis, like the, th- the thing with Corey Davis is he was a fifth overall pick, which I think kind of just like immediately you assume he's going to be a Julio Jones type of receiver. I always likened him coming out of college to Sammy Watkins, like and this was of course like back when Sammy Watkins was really thought thought well well thought of. Um, coming off that 2015 season or coming into that 2015 season when he was really good. Um, the thing with Davis, though, is like he's not been a bad player. I think people think Corey Davis because he hasn't been worth the fifth overall pick has been bad. But I think he's just been a very average NFL receiver stuck in an offense where a very average NFL receiver is not going to be propped up by anything going on around him. Right. And now that the offense is going to be more efficient, he's behind just a monster in A.J. Brown and emerging John Smith. And obviously it's Derrick Henry's offense. Yeah. Um Tannehill is one of the most interesting players. I think I talked about this during the during the draft, but to me, because I mean, you look at the nerd stats. He he was so good on the field last year, and it'll be interesting to see if he can continue it. Um, I mean, he was so good, a completion over expectation. Like only Drew Brees was ahead of him, and just like a just historic levels. So we'll see. AJ Brown emerging. He could should theoretically only be better. And I think uh, De- Derrick Henry might cipher all the touchdowns fantasy wise. But but yeah, Corey Davis. I hear he's probably been unfairly dinged for his partially for his high draft status, how he looked, expectations early on. But uh, I think he could be plenty serviceable. Certainly will help the Titans in a deep playoff run for sure. Yeah, he's yeah, he's still fine. Like, he's a good number two receiver. Not maybe not a good number yeah. two receiver, but again, a fine Solid number enough. two receiver. Yeah. So I actually took Tannehill in our draft yesterday. I took him in round twelve uh, as my first quarterback, and then Daniel Jones as my second quarterback, um, and then I think I took uh, Drew Locke later on. So that I I know a few more people went with higher quarterback picks, whatever. Pair two really good guys together. I like to do the the collection of guys that I'm 
very, very sure are not going to get benched and we'll just have spike weeks every now and again. And I don't see Jones, Locke, or especially Tannehill getting benched. And Tannehill, I agree. Like, I think depending on what the schedule looks like, he'll be one of those guys that pretty much just like he was in the second half of last year. I think I'm comfortable taking him as my first quarterback because I don't think, number one, I don't think any of the defenses in the AFC South are going to be all that good anyways. And I'm comfortable taking him as my first quarterback and then just planning on him being a streamer. But if he's better than that, much like he was last year, he was a guy that you just left in your lineup with throughout the rest of the regular season. Oh, oh Tannehill can run too. I, I have him as my 10th yep. fantasy quarterback. Let's be clear. That's just because I'm expecting regression. I mean, this guy over the second half last year got 10.1 YPA. That would be like posting a 1300 OPS after the all-star break, if not better in baseball. I don't know how to explain this to people. It's, it is, it is insanely incredible. The level, the, the level he played and a, a 10, maybe too low. If anything, like he's definitely a QB one in fantasy. If anyone is concerned about that, they're, they're, they're just wrong. In my opinion, I guess the volume is a thing because Derek Henry's going to go crazy. So the ball, vo- I mean, the volume is the issue there and you can't expect a repeat of the efficiency. I, I guess I like that division too, with ja- uh, Jacksonville, um, I, I like the division setup there, too. So I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think I'm crazy with Tannehill? I mean, if the former receiver who was considered a bum a year ago, am I, am I overreacting to too much of a small sample? It's entirely possible. Well, I mean, here's the deal. If you just if you group him in with like for his full season, obviously full season, he only started 10 games. But with a bunch of other guys, you know, just he's third in completion percentage last year, second in touchdown percentage. Uh, he was first in adjusted yards per attempt, first in adjusted or first in yards per completion. And he's right up there, you know, number one in passer rating. So, I mean, efficiency-wise, like you said, there's he was legit good. And I don't think it was just, like, because Tannehill is suddenly, like, a good quarterback. I think he is – I think he's I think he's always been pretty good. He's just suffered with a lot of injuries. And in really bad offenses in this Tennessee unit, it's not just that they have A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, a pretty good offensive line, and then some bit players like Davis and Smith that are fine along the way – this is a team that uses a lot of play action. They get him on the move a lot. And those just create just wide open windows down the field that he is certainly capable of hitting. So I agree with you. Like I believe in the Tannehill experience. I don't necessarily think he's going to post those efficiency numbers next year, but he's certainly going to be, I think a stable 16 week starter. Yeah, a couple things. A, I did not see this coming at all. No, and, no, um, no, no. and B for fantasy terms over that second half, he also threw 17 touchdowns and ran for four and the other one I'd point out to you, Matt, is if it is a lot of the circumstance, which very well might be in a lot of those play actions did lead to that. And it, it helps big time. But how bad is Mariota then? Like, uh, I mean, I mean, the absolute <laughs> worst. I mean, is the nut low. I mean, because seriously, I mean, stone worst, dude. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's, right. yeah, yeah. He's the worst. But uh, like, okay. I think the, I think the worst thing with like, I think the reason the team fed off of Tannehill so well was that he was the exact opposite of what Mariota was in so many glaring painful ways like you think about the thing that when I think about Marcus Mariota as a quarterback I think of him as a guy that we were always complaining about the fact that he never ran enough or that they weren't running him enough well that guy just doesn't want to get hit anymore at this point in his career like he's not fearless throwing down the field he's not fearless when he's out there running around which hey look I don't want to get hit by these guys either so I don't blame you but like from a quarterback perspective too timid in those two regards and also I think he just constantly never moved the offense and on third down would take just the worst sacks ever Tannehill was strong under pressure elusive could get out of things and make things happen on the run which is what again Mariota never did and he was a really good downfield passer 
which again, I think the team really responded to that sort of like rug. It's stupid to say, but like rugged and gritty level approach to Tannehill because Tannehill went out there and just like, just let it all hang out, you know? Cause like, what did he have to lose? He had everything to gain and nothing to lose, but in that situation. And I think that's why the team really fed off of him really well. Cause he was just the opposite of what Mariota was. So I, I'm just waiting for uh, the Vegas Raiders, you know, just looking for an excuse to turn away from Carr, which is going to be funny since, you know, he's building this house next to Gruden. Um, <laughs> Carr, by the way, was secretly really good in the nerd stats uh, last yep. year too, but Mariota um, who's the highest paid backup, I believe now, is not exactly the guy who I, you know, I'd be concerned about taking over. So once they made that their big move and not in the draft, now I can comfortably rank Carr, you know, whatever. Not, not as very highly in fantasy, regardless how good he's in real life. It doesn't translate there, but, um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Mariota is just like a, a thing for Gruden, the quarterback collector, to have in his, uh, little, his little casket there. Um, like, speaking of backup quarterbacks, we can hit on this real quick uh, because we were talking about Andy Dalton, you know, planning on this podcast, uh, you know, dating back to like January when I told Liz, like, just accept it. Andy Dalton is going to be the Ryan Tannehill for, Chica- for Chicago. That didn't happen, obviously, um, because they went with Nick Foles for a fourth round pick. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Dalton. Gets released eventually, and now Dalton Deldon he's signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Didn't see that coming. Obviously, this is clearly a message to Dak Prescott, of right? Course. I mean, come on, clearly for sure. Yeah, no, I mean it actually makes sense all all, all the way around. And uh, as far as fantasy terms, um, if you uh, he becomes one of the more interesting, obviously, backups in that situation when they obviously will resolve the Dak situation, who's now an official MVP candidate because of the weapons around there, along with what Winston signing in the Saints. Who do you like more, Dalton and the Cowboys or Winston and the Saints? I'm going to throw a third wild card at you after that. But who do you like between those two if you had, if you had to go in you know, a deep league right now for an upside backup QB? I mean, I'm just not I'm not a Winston guy like whatsoever. Um, and I think he's like the antithesis of a drew Brees type quarterback and i think that i think that dalton would like carve it up if he got in there with the with the cowboys because like dalton has shown i mean and look Jameis is a great fantasy quarterback like he's a he's one of the classic like bad real life quarterbacks good fantasy quarterbacks especially last year but like i think a lot of that was because he had great weapons and but at the same time we know that andy dalton it's been proven that when he has good weapons, he puts up good numbers. Like he's again, he's a perfect backup quarterback. And this cast, as you mentioned in Dallas is legit. Awesome. I think it's just as good, if not better, a little bit better than what they have in new Orleans. So I would go with Dalton over Jameis if forced to pick. Yeah. It makes sense for the Cowboys to win now mode, get security. I'm fine with these guys loading up in two quarterbacks. Um, I, uh, yeah, I hear you speak. Uh, I'm moving CD lamb up my rankings, by the way, speaking of which uh, teams getting quarterbacks early, uh, Man, Jalen Hurts, looking at his his college numbers and and Wentz always hurt in that system and the rushing upside in fantasy. I just had a dynasty draft where he went in the third round with fantasy pros. People in the industry who know what they're doing or seemingly know what they're doing. I don't know why they're letting that steal, but uh, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts? I mean, it was kind of a bummer that he went to a spot where he can't really compete to start right away because I think Hurts is good and I think that... I think he would have been like great in fantasy almost no matter what because of the rushing upside. I mean, that's just the way we know that's just the way it goes in fake football. And uh, yeah, he was a guy that I was bummed that went to his landing spot. But I think it was like, I think it was a sneaky good pick for the Eagles because Carson Wentz, number one, like he has an injury history, as we know. And there's just so much flexibility 
having that second quarterback in the room from like a trade perspective, whatever. I know it doesn't always really work out that way, but like, think about the, the, your guy, Jimmy Garoppolo back on the Patriots. Like if there wasn't bruised egos and stuff like that going on there. And like, if he wasn't literally the greatest quarterback of all time, like that would have been a success, you know, like that transition could have been a success. They still traded him for a reasonably high draft pick. I think they maybe could have gotten more at the time, but like, that was still overall a, a good a good pick. I think that that the Eagles could find themselves in that situation, and you know, there's almost like no bad outcome other than the, well, they just won a Super Bowl with one too. If any franchise should right. say, "Hey, I mean, I mean, they just won it," so I mean, I get my my criticism after looking more into it. And again, not a college tape watcher or anything, but it looks like Hertz to me is the guy with the upside and not Love. I'm not sure about Love, but I can understand why both organizations actually did what they did with the QBs, as crazy as it may seem on the surface. The only I don't think that I I hate the Packers doing it because I feel like they had such strong like clear needs and I don't know, I yeah, don't, to- yeah, yeah, I don't it, yeah yeah plus like first they were one game pick, away from up. the Super Bowl last year then they would have running back afterward yeah let me be clear I'm not defending them and I don't like love either I don't like either be, yes, <laughs> exactly I, yeah it is different finding it and they traded up in the first round they're different situations yeah no I, I don't I don't get the pack yeah I'm not going on record here as defending the Packers here to be clear yes let's let's not ever allow that to happen. Yeah. All right, let's move in. Uh, last thing we're going to talk about today is the best ball draft that we just did. By the way, uh, you can play best ball on Yahoo Fantasy. Please make sure you're doing that. Also, we're probably going to end up doing more of these live streams, so keep it uh, tuned in to our social channels at Yahoo Fantasy where we're doing these best ball drafts as a group. But yesterday we did one, Dalton, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was my first draft uh, heading into the, quote, theoretical 2020 season. I always feel like that needs to be said, unfortunately. Uh, and... It was for I learned a lot, number one, about the draft board. But before we jump into that, let's just give a quick rundown of what best ball is for those who might not know. Matt, yes. Yeah. You want me to explain it? Best ball? Yes. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you explain Oh, man. You, you opened the draft yesterday. You were the guy who announced this. You're throwing this at me. I'm, you're the, right, you're the boss. Come I'll, on. I'll, Come on. I'll do it, and then you can uh, correct me where I was wrong. Okay. Um, all, right. all right. So best ball, essentially, it's like it's the fun part of fantasy, right? Like all that you don't care about waivers trades any of that during fantasy forget it you just draft a team you leave it alone and then you essentially at the end of the year the computer tallies up who's got the most points that person wins sick so that's best ball way Uh, better than i could have said to be clear way better than way more (laughs) perfect well done yes that's right and there's a lot of different like strategies in best ball that you would not employ because obviously like you're not picking up that hot way of a wire running back. You're not streaming quarterback. So obviously from a roster construction standpoint, there's more rounds. It's a little bit different. Um, but on that note, how did you kind of shift your strategy at all? How do you generally shift your strategy in best ball as opposed to regular standard leagues? Yeah, you touched on most of the main points. But yeah, so you, some drafts you could come away with maybe just one quarterback or one defense or no defenses in some and just you know work on worry about the matchups later. But Without the ability to add them, you definitely have to have multiple ones there, not for just injuries, but, um, you know, buys, obviously, for defense. But, yeah, I try to balance upside with uh, with the higher floor, but I did not in this exercise we had. I went after just a bunch of young guys. Rookies usually gets the best of me. I'm after the unknown upside. It's just that's how I rank. It's how I draft. So oftentimes my teams, you know, finish uh, last or toward the top. You're not first or last is, I guess, kind of my um, my drafting philosophy. But in general, you should probably be more balanced uh, in these. And if you do have some upside guys early on, then get the Larry Fitzgeralds or maybe not right now, but a year or two ago. You know, the boring guys, but with the higher floors. But um, that's the theoretical way. But me, I just like to swing for the fences here. Yeah, and I mean, that is one way to do it because, like, 
it's even more so apparent with in best ball. Like, yeah, if you don't win this thing, like you're not, there's, there's nothing good about being fourth place. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing, there's nothing cool about that. So I think it's definitely, it's definitely a strategy that you can employ. I think a lot of like, you think of those typical, just even from like a one player perspective, you're much more, I think most people are much more tolerant about, you know, these high variance guys from a weekly perspective, because who, you know, you don't have to pick the right weeks where this guy's going to go off. You just know that they're going to come and they're going to count for your lineup no matter what. So you also have to remember that, but yeah, it's all before we jump into like the the draft as a whole, let's just talk about your team for a second. I want to just read people off. Uh, so, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing this because uh, like I'm dumb as hell. So what do I know? But here's some of the players on your team. DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin. You've got Jonathan Taylor. You've got JK Dobbins, Darius Slayton, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, you've got Dallas Goddard. You've got Miles Boykin. You've got, you're like, honestly, your whole, I said this on the draft yesterday. Your whole team, like, it needs to get, you got Joe Burrow on your team. Hawkinson, Burrow. Yeah. Hawkinson. They, they, yeah. you, there's this whole crew, like, still getting carded to get into bars, man. This is a young squad. Okay, a couple things. A, you touched a great point about the very high-variance players. I also drafted Deshaun Jackson in this league. And guys like that, the boomer bust weekly, I do think they're more valuable in leagues like this where you don't have to predict the matchup. And it, it's tough to predict matchups and wide receivers. So great point there. Um, and then the young guys, yeah, I like these, you know, the the Vaughn. Maybe, maybe he is not the starter in the Bucks until the second half of the season. And it's you don't have to have patience in the best balls. I don't have to. Yeah. A, a lot of times you draft these upside guys in the other leagues, and then you end up losing patience and dropping them and then watching them blow up on someone else's team in the fantasy playoffs you don't have to worry about that here um but yeah this is honestly this is typical of my drafting style i I ranked jonathan taylor higher than than most people have in the industry um clyde edwards hilaire i I would take uh in the first round of uh, not just best ball in any fantasy draft right now late in the first round i have him ranked as such so yeah man it's not to me i mean i get it to the in in fantasy baseball I'm, i'm okay with the boring veterans but football it's a young man's game and uh yeah this is not atypical of my drafting yeah, you, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire here actually went in round three uh, of this draft, which I thought was interesting. And, because... and yeah, that's because guys I have ranked. Yeah, that's because I have Kamara and I have Kenyon Drake as a top six or seven ish player. And I got him in round two in this draft. So in other words, I dominated. In other words, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you made Kamara, though, your first round pick. And I love that. Like I was picking at number two. I took Saquon Barkley. Um, which I mean, I feel like you got to take one of those, oh, yeah. like McCaffrey and Barkley are the first two picks, but like, again, you know, maybe I'm a donkey. Cause I thought that I thought Camaro was number one, like the RB one last year. And like, I think he would have had that type of season had he not gotten hurt. Like, and what's, what's different about his setup this year than it was last year? L- literally nothing. Uh, oh, I, other man. than Drew, Drew Brees is another year older, another, another year less of the arm strength. I think there's only more potential for him as a pass catcher. I think getting him at the seventh overall pick for you is a total steal because I still think he has like a 20 touchdown upside type of season. I would take him over Elliot. I would take him over cook. I would take him over Thomas and Henry, all of who went ahead of him here in this draft. Yeah. And he said his leg was at whatever, what percent it was last year. I think there's a, a strong argument that the Saints have. It might even be inarguable. They have the best roster in football, top to bottom. I mean, that offensive line, that defense showing the improvements. And uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas isn't going to repeat that season. So Kamara could be the beneficiary, he catches the ball, the touchdown. So um, yeah, so I, I, was, I was happy to have him fall there. A guy you have, I want to point out now, I'll turn the favor and say that Miles Sanders, I've been having an all my best ball earlier drafts this season. And now he's finally getting properly treated because he was getting disrespected before the draft. Uh, 
uh, Eagles didn't address position at all. So I, I'm in on, on Miles Sanders. Yeah, I took Sanders at the second pick in the third round and was really hoping, you know, I was looking at my roster and obviously like I want to come away from the first couple rounds with two good backs, especially in best ball. Cause like in, in real drafts, I'm totally cool going with one running back and then just punting that position, loading up on receivers and a tight end. Um, and then usually still waiting on quarterback. Cause I'm comfortable playing the waiver wire. In fact, Dalton, I love to be the guy, like how you said earlier, like I'm not drafting these little high upside players that people are hoping become the starter like later in the draft, these, these running backs, I'm willing to be the one that snipes them later on, on the waiver wire. I'd rather be that guy than the one wasting picks on them, you know, in round seven or whatever. Uh, so that I love to play the waiver wire with the running backs. You can't do that in best ball. So I want to get two pretty good locked in guys and Sanders to me, I was really hoping I took Chris Godwin at 2.9, the ninth overall pick in the second round and was just really hoping that Sanders made it back to me. And he did. And I love this guy this year. Number one, he was awesome towards the end of last year. And look, is there a chance that Doug Peterson just suddenly is like, I love committees. I've always used a committee. I have to use a committee. And he signs Devonta Freeman and wastes everybody's time with that. Maybe, but as the roster looks right now, that's not there. And also they used Sanders pretty much as a full-time like workhorse type guy towards the end of the season. And I think he performed well. Really good offensive line. He can catch the ball. He's not a guy who needs 300 touches anyway. So I, I, was, I think he's going to be very efficient in that offense. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm all in on Miles Sanders. One thing I'll point out is I most drafts, this is going to be very consistent, not just young upside guys, um, is I, I started out with three running backs, and that's very typical of me. I do. Um, I'm old school, and I'm, I'm like the opposite of zero running back. I, I usually go three. I was in an NFFC um, online championship draft after this last night, so I'm like confused, uh, confusing the teams here. And I started with four <laughs> straight running backs in that, and, and, it's, and it's, it's only you can only start three. And it's not best yeah. ball. So it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm insane that way. Like, I'm, I, I really think that running back is so, and then I only had like one the rest of the draft. I want to be the guy drafting the receivers in my position, in my opinion, receivers and tight ends, super sneaky, loaded, and that weird middle tier. Everyone's going to value differently. I'm, I know I am. So my, my advice is to go running backs early and then go after the, the receivers in that middle range. Yeah. I mean, th- that's the thing. Like, especially in best ball, again, you're, you're, there's a pretty good chance that you're locking in your running back positions and that's the best way to do it. Because like, look at these receivers that, that went after round, just after round 18 in this draft, John Ross, Rashad Perryman, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, you got James Washington, DD Westbrook, Devin Funches, Nikhil Harry, Sammy Watkins. I had to take that goofball yeah, at the end of the draft. Kenny Stills, T Higgins, yeah. Cole Beasley. Like, there are going to be weeks that those guys score within the top 24 of their position and they're going to count in your lineup. I'm going <laughs> to there, – there's a pretty good chance that guys like Dare Agunglae, who went to Scott in round 19, never do anything all year. Jalen Richard, 18th round in this draft. Like these running backs at the end of the draft, they're just probably going to – They're never. there's almost no chance unless there's just a ton of injuries – that those guys are ever going to score within the top 20 of their respective positions. But you can get plenty of guys from a week-to-week basis that are going to do it later on at wide receiver. So I think it's a smart strategy. And also, I just want to say congrats to you. Uh, you've been dying to be you know, leading the charge on Kenyon Drake since I feel like uh, ah. December of last year. And now it's a pretty, it's, it's a pretty easy 
banner to carry around because Kenyon Drake obviously is good. He's back with the Cardinals, and now the Cardinals look poised to dominate the league offensively with DeAndre Hopkins. Thank you very much. Uh, sadly, I don't think I get too much credit for being the early ranker, high high ranker on on Drake. But yes, no things have fallen on great for the for him in the offseason. No competition. Edmonds is an interesting guy to handcuff him with. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, you can't like I said, I treat him as a top ten fantasy commodity. So I love it getting him in round two. Do you have any picks uh, of yours that was your favorite? You know, outside of kind of the top three rounds. Uh, my, oh, oh man, uh, Liz pointed it out, but I'm in on Darius Slayton. So, um, so for my personal one, I like that. And I liked Liz's pick of, uh, of Devin Funches later too. I think he's getting just totally overlooked as a possible. I know that Aaron Rodgers is only just locked on Devontae Adams every year and all that. And people, and he hates his number two, but it's, what if someone does emerge actually, and that team doesn't run for all their touchdowns. So kind of like Tim, and you mentioned Slayton too. You're in on Slayton, you, you, right? You like him. He just looks, he just looks like certainly Shepard isn't a threat to, to be the, for the target share. Right. I mean, I feel like Slayton just passed the eye test. For a fifth rounder, uh, and I don't, you know, it's it's interesting, but I, I feel like he passed the eye test. Well, number one, Liz is not here. We don't have to pay her any compliments, okay? Like, she's not going to listen to this. We don't need to compliment any of Liz's picks. She's, <laughs> she's not on the podcast now. <laughs> I think I lo- I like I like Darius Slayton a lot. I'm a big Sterling Shepard fan. I st- I I think that he can still take another step like I think he always flashes and he's just oh, there's always health or he's playing with Eli Manning behind Odell Beckham something's going on there I think there's I think there's more that can be gotten out of Shepard but I like Slayton a lot and I think there's room for both of those guys because I think Tate is kind of on the back nine of his career Evan Ingram like is a very good tight end but is also coming into the see is coming into the season already nursing an injury um I, I think this is going to be a tough offense to predict in terms of where the targets go but I really like Slayton a lot I think I actually took Shepard in this draft and you just I think you I don't know who which one of them went first uh but I, I'm in on both of those guys yeah, as, same as round draft picks. same round yeah, yeah. Sa- same round I went I went Shepard you went Slayton in the ninth round so there I, we again, go he went ahead so you disagree then maybe I like Shepard I think Shepard's a safer bet but I don't. I'm in on both of these guys essentially for this year. Yeah, Ingram will get hurt, and yeah, and Golden Tate. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not worried about it. Uh, but I, so yeah, I think I, you want to hear my favorite pick of yours. I do. I do. Mine was Robert Woods. You picked your only like veteran guy. You took in round five, Robert Woods. Uh, I think Robert Woods is going to have a really good season this year, and I kind of want to just spin that off a little. Like I, uh, Scott went Cooper Cup. In the fourth round at the seventh pick, you went Robert Woods in the fifth round at the seventh pick. I'd much rather take Woods at that cost, maybe just straight up ahead of Cooper Cup this year. Coop is such an interesting guy to rank because if you paid attention the last six weeks last year, he was getting way reduced snaps. But obviously, Brandon Cooks is gone now, and I don't expect that to be the same. And his, his, uh, his other metrics are really, really good. I think he's a really good real-life receiver. But yes, I have Woods ranked high, higher. His touchdowns weren't there, but the, the targets were out of control. And I think this team's going to totally transition into having to be passed. I don't think Jared Goff's a good real-life quarterback but fantasy he's sneakily undervalued this year no Todd Gurley defense regressing poor offensive line they're just going to be a bunch of shootouts and they're going to be playing from behind in the NFC West as a last suddenly a last place team arguably in that division so I really like Woods I think I have him ranked 12th so um uh, among yeah. wide receivers so very good so one of the guy I want to point out that I that I got super late in this draft that I have ranked higher than everyone uh, is Marvin Jones yeah. um 
Matthew Stafford, when they were on the field together, he was like as good as Galladay. He's been since Galladay was drafted. I get one's an ascending player and the other's boring and whatever. But if Stafford plays even 80% as he was last year and, and Jones comes back, he is absolutely one of my more uh, my favorite boring, undervalued wideouts. Yeah, you took Marvin Jones in the 12th round and Kenny Galladay went in the third round, the third overall pick at the third round. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with taking Kenny Galladay there, but that gap. It's okay to criticize Andy. Well, I mean, come on. Andy is a total low hanging fruit. We know that obviously, but (laughs) so there, but that like the gap in the ADP will, if Marvin Jones stays healthy, plays all 16 games, that gap will not be as wide in terms of the overall scoring with these two players. So, and it feels like it's that way. It's been that way a few years in the row with Marvin Jones. So I think he's a great pick. If he's healthy, he's going to have a much better season than his ADP uh, suggested. Um, so let, let's talk about my team a little bit. We talked about let's you enough. Uh, I think sure. my uh, my worst pick, I think, was Jared Cook. And it's not because I think Jared Cook is a bad pick this year. I took him in the eighth round, ninth overall pick. But it just really hit home to me that I don't know what the hell my approach at tight end is going to be. But you like tight end a lot this year you think it's the deepest it's been in a while yeah I got Higby in that same round I'm actually okay with with what you're doing there with Cook I think I have I'm I'm higher on him too seven touchdowns over the second half last year I understand that it came on fewer targets but that's like playing he's like in Coors Field dude a target from Drew Brees and that same offense is not the same as other targets so I'm actually okay with where you got Cook there and I think he is a threat to score double digit touchdowns but yeah, I just think it's super deep because there's so many interesting young guys. Like I wrote a column on it and I was like, it's so repetitive. I'm like, look at these workout numbers of, of Evan Ingram <laughs> and, and John U. Smith and, and Herndon's interesting. Jarwin's interesting as yards per route and, and Dallas taking over. But so many of these young guys with, with bigger opportunities, Ian Thomas. But I mean, between Gasecki, Noah Fant and Hawkinson, I mean, that's like a once in a generation tight end three years in a row or whatever, two in, you know, three in two years. So and then you throw in Higby, you throw Mark Andrews with Hayden Hurst leaving and um, I mean, I haven't said Austin Hooper on Cleveland now. Gronk coming back. I mean, it's Irv yeah. Smith's going to step up without uh, with Diggs. Your guy Diggs gone. So I mean, I, just, I named like twenty five easily. Uzuma now with Burrow at quarterback and the only guy in Cincinnati. He's not even a top thirty ADP tight end. I mean, to me, it's deeper than it's, it's deeper than it's ever been. Yeah, I wish I had taken Cook just maybe a round or two later, but I definitely well for number one. Uh, I was targeting all the tight ends that went ahead of Cook in that round. As you mentioned, you took Tyler Higby. Uh, you rat. I wanted to take Tyler Higby because I'm super high on him this year. Uh, he he went ahead of me. Hunter Henry, Darren Waller both went ahead of both of those picks. So there was just like a kind of a tight end run, and I thought Cook was the last guy in the tier. And I really, well, honestly, I really wanted to take Marquise Brown. Uh, but again, that uh, that rat Andy Barons took him right ahead of me. Uh, so I was just like, oh, crap. I panicked. and I it was like running the clock all the way to the end. And I took Jared Cook, whatever. Um, just not. I, but I agree, though. I think there's a lot of interesting options at tight end. I just wanted to get them later. One guy I want to ask about on your team specifically who I've crept up my rankings recently, recently is David Johnson. What are your thoughts on the situation should be there, right? I mean, the volume and I guess I guess he was pretty good last year before getting hurt. I don't know. Is he washed? What What is the deal? Like, I mean, obviously, the offensive line's a problem, but I mean. Volume should be there. Oh, God. I mean, that's my thought. My thoughts are just like, oh, God, David Johnson. Um, <laughs> wasn't in the least bit excited to make that pick. Uh, but it's the seventh round. And yeah, you true. know what? Like you mentioned, 
the volume is there. I don't think Johnson has been a good runner in three in like three plus seasons, which makes the trade just so terrible oh, yeah. uh, that Houston made. Obviously, like I don't think we need to go over that, but he was like putting up fantasy numbers last year. And I think a lot of that had to do with the offense that he was in. You know, they're running like four wide receivers a lot during his time as a starting running back. He was catching a lot of passes, but you could see a pretty similar situation here in Houston. I think he's going to catch a decent amount of passes. I think they can spread the field with four plus wide receivers. Not maybe they won't, but they at least have the personnel to do it. Um, And like you said, the volume should be there. I feel like when I make these sort of just, this is not a good running back at this point, but the volume should be there. I feel like that usually ends up screwing me, but at the same time, it's the seventh round. Like, and again, I thought he represented a teardrop. So there was with no conviction, no excitement that I clicked David Johnson's name, but I clicked it, damn it. And like what? (laughs) So I don't know. Those are my thoughts, Dalton. Those are my thoughts on that pick. Yeah, I know there was only so many running backs that are projected to get that many touches. And, you know, Bill O'Brien will want to, for no other reason to make him look good, to have him get his numbers. So, um, yeah, no, I, totally, round seven, I thought that was that was fine there. And then you ended up with uh, uh, Tannehill, I see that. Yeah, Tannehill and Daniel Jones. Uh, where do we stand on Daniel Jones? If you like Shepard and I like Slayton, and what if Ingram does stay healthy? And then there's also Tate and, uh, oh, Barkley, a decent receiving option out of the backfield. I mean, and he runs, too. So right. the, the, the the deeper metrics you know, suggested some ugliness last year, but he was a rookie, you know, not projected to be good. So, I mean, I don't know. He's a tough one. I think he probably is one of these, like, not a good quarterback, but could be good in right. fantasy. Like, he had spike weeks last year for sure because – He's like you said, surrounded by good weapons. I think the offensive line is going to be even better this year. They address that high in the draft. And I think that that will be an improvement. And yeah, he's just a guy that I think he's always going to make some just mind numbing mistakes, but I think he can make enough big plays to offset it, especially in fantasy, especially as your quarterback in a best ball league. But I think that's probably going to do it for us, Dalton. Uh, We've blabbered on about this draft a lot. You can find our write up on this draft in particular on the website. So make sure you check that out. Um, any final thoughts, Dalton, before we get the hell out of here? No, man. Good times. Good uh, talking football with you and look forward to doing it again soon. Appreciate it. Especially let's both wear our snapbacks in uh, a grand declaration of we have given up <laughs> next time we do this. Um, all right. So programming notes, we're going to be back Thursday. I'm not going to be back. Liz and Eric Edholm are going to go over some of their lesser known rookie sleepers. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to boxed in while you're waiting. It's our podcast where we're all locked inside and we're arguing about stuff. Who doesn't want to hear that? New episodes are every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I've been on a few. I think I've got another one upcoming at some point. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Yahoo fantasy. I'm Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don. We're out of here. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.